0: All right, guys we're gonna go ahead and get started I want to uh, obviously start with prayers we always do um, and, uh, and by the way happy uh, happy uh, Passover week to all of you uh, excited about what uh, uh, what's coming and, and uh, what God is doing uh, very optimistic about uh, God's hand on our nation and, and everything that he's doing and not just in our nation but in our uh, personal lives just uh, just just excited Just just uh, we live in we're living right now in some really exciting times. And I'll probably mention that again here in a little bit, uh, but very exciting times, uh, not not times to uh, to be afraid, but uh, times to be excited about what God's doing. So let's go ahead and start with prayer and uh, and we'll get into our uh, text tonight. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us gather tonight. God, once again, and Father, we just honor you tonight. We honor you with all of our heart. God, with everything that we have inside of us, Father, all of our being, Father, we honor you tonight. And Lord, we just lift your name up high, Father God, we lift you up tonight. Father, we ask for a blessing upon the word, Lord, as it goes forth. Lord, penetrate our hearts, Lord. God, help us as a, as a people, Lord, to serve you better. God, to be better, God, than we were before. And Father, we just thank you, God, for another opportunity tonight. God, we just lift your name high and we praise you and thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, <clears throat> as you guys, some of you that were coming on, or if you would just come on, you can turn to the Book of Matthew, uh, chapter three. I want to share a story with you as you guys are getting. Uh, uh, some of you are getting turned to Matthew chapter three, and as we get started, we to kind of lay a base here. Um, I was uh, I was under a house the other day, and uh, for for anyone that's ever climbed underneath houses, there's there's never a good scenario when you're having to climb underneath a house. And uh, I'm underneath this house, and I've got I've got my headlamp on, and so as I'm, I'm crawling underneath there and it's dirty and it's nasty and it's, it's no different, you know, it, uh, under that house than it is on any house. And it's just either spiders everywhere. And you're, you're seeing all kinds of stuff that you'd, you just would rather not be rolling around in. Well, I, I, turn my head and I'm always aware that there's, you know, of spiders or snakes or something like that. But I, I, I turn my head and I, my light from my headlamp cast a shadow and it was a spider about that big and it looked like a black widow is what it looked like. Just, I mean, I mean, that's the first thing that I thought of and, and immediately I, I, it startled me and I was kind of taken back. Well, then I realized as I, my eyes focused and I, and I kind of let the, you know, let the franticness die down a little bit that it was a really little bitty spider and my light had was shining behind it and it had cast this shadow and it made this thing look really big. And immediately I thought that is a always a major tactic of the enemy. The enemy always uh, deploys deception to make things look bigger than they really are, to make things look more frightening than they really are. And it sometimes it takes us a second to get our bearings. And uh, I remember, you know, as many houses I've climbed under, you would think that I would be used to that by now. But I'm I'm not used to it. I'm always uh, I'm always hyper aware when I'm underneath those things. But anyway, that was that's that's something that I believe that we can always apply to our life and, and learn is that that is always something that the enemy uses as a rule of thumb. That's one of his tactics that he's always using is to deploy deception and the art uh, of making it look much more impossible and much bigger than it really is. And when we really come into focus and look at a lot of the things that that we're dealing with today, and I'm not even referring to the stuff that's been going on. I'm not re- necessarily referring to that right now. We'll get to that here in a minute. I'm referring to our personal battles and the things that that I know a lot of you are going through and you're dealing with. Sometimes we have to get our perspective and sometimes we've got to let our spiritual eyes get focused where we can see properly and when when we keep ourselves in the word of god and we continue to pray and we continue to stay connected to god then things begin to come into focus and then when they come into focus and we have we've got god right there with us and then all of a sudden we get the right view and when we see it from the right view then we see it was actually not very big at all it was quite small and I actually smashed that spider like that. and that was it. It was over with. And so we've got to, we've got to apply that with our current situations and that what we' what we are all dealing with on on whether that be a national level or whether that be a personal level, don't allow the enemy to feed you deception and to feed you things that allow your situation to become exaggerated and to be blown up and to be turned into something that they are really not. And I'm coming out of the book of Matthew, chapter three, and I've got a bit of scripture I want to read tonight. Um, and I'm, I'm going to um, well, let's just start. And actually, I'm going to back up away from the text a little bit, <clears throat> because there's some things that that really lay some good groundwork here in Matthew, uh, chapter three, starting in verse 13. These are familiar scriptures. There's, there's not going to be surprising scriptures to any one of you. Uh, but there are some key points here that we need to get before we get to the real meat of this whole thing. Verse 13 says, Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of you and come you to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now for thus it come becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him and Jesus, when he was baptized went up straightway out of the water. Lo, the heavens were opened unto him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I can, I can only imagine this event as it unfolds and take place. There's, There's something about this event, though, that I I want to point out before we enter in the next stanza of scriptures, because it's very important that you understand that this is the beginning. This is the beginning of Jesus's ministry. This is the beginning and and, and to the point where when we see the the Holy Spirit descending upon him, this is when he really became uh, empowered and literally because of that empowerment and because of the Holy Spirit being with them, with this is when um, his ministry began. And not only that, but I think it's really interesting here that we also, I mean, if you, you, uh, the voice is coming from God, the father, we have the spirit descending and we also uh, have the son present. So we have the Trinity all present in this stanza of scriptures. Um, but this is the beginning. And this is the beginning of, uh, of ministry for him. And the beginning starts with the spirit. And I I wanted to back up on purpose because we're about to get to a function of the spirit. And he's about to do something here. And he's about to cause some things to happen that take him in a particular direction. So let's move to chapter four real quick. And let's go to uh, verse one. It says, then was Jesus led up of the spirit. So let's just stop right there. The spirit that just lighted upon him, the father, the father, that just said, "This is my son in whom I am well pleased." All of this taking place, and when we get down here in verse one, we see that the the spirit that he just received has now led him. And so I think I, th- I think if you're if you're a Christian, you know what it's like to be led. You know what it, you know what it's like to be led. And, and I'm bringing this up because this is a very uh, this is an interesting point as I begin to go through the scriptures and really consider this as this is the beginning of Jesus's ministry. I mean, this is this is the beginning of who we know Jesus to be on earth. I and mean, he did a lot of great things. This was the beginning. And so he leads him. But where does he lead him? Does he lead him into a place of, of you know, green pastures? No. He immediately Leads him into the wilderness. I think, man, what a deal. What, what a deal. We, we just received the Spirit. We just get this, this empowerment. The ministry begins. And as soon as this thing gets started, it's is okay. It's time to go to the wilderness. I really meditated upon that. And I have, every time I've read that scripture, I always think that was uh, an interesting point. That Jesus was immediately led into the wilderness before he was led anywhere else. Before this ministry could begin, something else had to take place. Now, I want I want you to, you're, you're going to begin to apply some of these things to your own life, and you're going to begin to understand how this applies directly to you and how the leading of the spirit matters. How the leading of the spirit matters. So before I can go any further, I just, I, I want to lay this, I want to say this too. We have to be leadable people. We have to be. We have to be able to be led of the spirit. I mean, if Jesus is the example, and I know he was the son of God, but you understand in this sequence of events, and we look at this particular scripture, the son of God was being led by the spirit. The spirit was leading him. The spirit was telling him what he needed to do. And that's exactly how we should model ourselves, is whatever the spirit is, is telling us to do or what he's leading us to do, that's the direction that we need to go. Many people fight this. Many people fight this process. And we're gonna find out as this thing goes that there's a reason, obviously, for the leading, but we also have to consider too if we flip this and we consider what if we're not led of the spirit. I mean, let's just let's just assume well what if Jesus had decided. He didn't want to be led. I'm a son. Well, I mean, obviously, there's there's some obvious answers. I mean, he wouldn't have been in one accord. Um, there would there be some obvious ramifications to, to not following the Spirit's lead. But that's something that, as, as God's people, we have to grab a hold of and we have to, to really meditate on is, am I led of the Spirit or do I try to lead the Spirit? You know what I mean by that? Meaning that you want to go and do it your way and then you want to drag God into it and you want to ask him to bless it. I want you to bless this for me. I see there's a great opportunity here. I want you to bless. I want you to bless this for me. God blesses things all the time. But I think sometimes as God's people right now in this day and time that we're living in, especially at the with the um, at the, at the at the animosity at its height right now, we really have to be led of the spirit we really have to come back to being led and god's people that are that allow the spirit to lead and not people who are trying to lead and then ask god then to show up and then bless us it it doesn't it doesn't work that way church it doesn't we have to we have to allow him to lead okay so he he led he was led by the spirit and he led him into the wilderness To be tempted of the devil. and We know where this is going. If you are a Christian, you're familiar with these scriptures. You know what's about to take place here. You know that he had to be tried. Jesus had to be tried uh, and tempted on on all fronts. He had to be tempted from every every corner in order to be the kind of sacrifice that he needed to be for us. But that was his call. That was what God had put him here for was to be the perfect sacrifice. And so in saying that, obviously, because that's what he was here for, the spirit is going to lead him accordingly to his calling and to what God has put him on this planet for. It's no different for you. He's going to lead you in connection, complete connection every time to what God has called you to do in your life. A lot of people fight that. A lot of people don't want to have anything to do with that. They 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 want to call the shots. They do not want to uh, be led. They want to lead. All right. So verse two it says, and when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. I look at these events, and I know these are familiar scriptures, but I'm bringing this out, and I hope this is I hope this is not just something you're just you know you hear these scriptures, you think I've heard these scriptures before. I want you to listen to me. Uh, when we get to verse two and remember these series of events, these series of scriptures are about to lead into the main text, Uh, the main text in this particular chapter of Matthew, the main text of this scriptures get all the attention. They, they get all the attention of many times. We fail to realize the steps that were taken to get to that particular point. And I'll, I'll make, I'll make, um, a comment here in a minute about something that said that is directly connected to the very beginning scriptures that you are seeing right here. And when he, and it says that he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was, he was hungry. So he was fasting. And so in a real general manner, I want to define for you what fasting is. And I think that I need to do that because we're going to be talking about that a little bit more as we go through this. Um, When uh, in a condensed way, I don't have time to get into the whole thing. Fasting is submission. That's what fasting is. Fasting is submission with a huge emphasis on humility. That's what fasting is. Um, there have been a lot of misconceptions in the in the church over years about what fasting actually is, what it does, what it's there for. Um, I cannot speak for for anyone. I don't know what other people are doing, but from what I gather and from what I have seen, not a lot of people fast anymore. It's just not something that goes on. This is one of those steps that I consider when we're about to see Jesus walk into what he's about to walk into, he was not only led into the wilderness, but I would also say that he was led, even though he didn't say led, He didn't say he was led, but remember, at this point, the Spirit is with him, so the Spirit is leading. So I think it's safe to say that he was led to begin and to start this fast. I don't think there's anyone out there that would just, well, at least for the most part, just decide to do a 40-day fast just for the fun of it. No, there was a reason why he had fasted 40 days. Now, remember, fasting is submission. And I think that's important to get, because as we get through this, you say, you know, fasting, being submission, you think that the son of God, he had to submit. Absolutely. But not just submit, but he had to get himself out of the way. When you submit, when you as a human think about it, when you submit to anything or anyone. You are you are getting yourself out of the way. Well, let me ask this question. How many of how many of the married couples on here? How many of you married couples? Have had to, you know, you you do what your spouse says to do. They they say, you know, you need to go do this, you need to go do that, and you're like, ah, I don't want to do that, but I guess I need to. I'm going to go ahead and do it. That's submission. That's 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 humility. And so, Jesus, even being the Son of God, but realize, church, he was in a fleshly body. He was still in a carnal body, and that thing has that the carnal body has natural tendencies to want to go do certain things you say jesus had natural tendencies to want to not do what he was doing sure and you can see that in in the garden he lived he had a physical body that was not geared to do what it was supposed to do so we see before he even get it has a confrontation with the enemy that he has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights And getting himself, putting his body into submission, being humble, humbling himself, and putting himself in a place that he can succeed when he's going to need it the most. And we'll make a point about that fast here in just a minute. So let's let's go to the next set of scriptures. It says, And when the tempter came to uh, him, he said, If you be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread familiar scriptures, and, and the obvious thing is that he is tempting him with his power or it, to consume food and, and to, to break off and basically to make a display of his power to get what he wants. But he gives an answer. Now I want you to think about this. Let's look at his answer. He says, but he answered and said, it's written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out Of the mouth of God. And something caught me when I read that. And I had not quite looked at it this way before. Number one, he was led by the Spirit. Remember, he's following the Spirit. Number two, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Obviously not for nothing. He fasted for a purpose and a reason. He fasted to get himself in position for this kind of confrontation. Now here's the confrontation. And I asked myself this. Had Christ not fasted for the forty days and forty nights. Obviously it's essential in this particular situation. It was essential. He had to. He had to get him say he had to he had to humble that flesh. He had to break it. He had to pull it down. And you think about a 40 day fast, that's a long time. I think there's only been four four people in the Bible that have actually fasted forty days. If if you see a 40 day fast in the Word of God there's something serious going on. There's something serious going on. Not not be, not because of the sheer number, not just because he's pushing his, himself to the very limit, but there was a need for it. And so this was the question I asked. Would Jesus' answer been the same had he not followed that process? And we automatically, I mean, because we've read the story so many times, I mean, we want to quickly answer and say, well, sure it would. Why did he fast? He fasted to break his flesh because he knew that temptation was coming. Think about it. Think about the chain of events. Think about the fact that he's still a carnal man. He's still a man. And consider the ramifications if he fails this confrontation. Think about it. You you got right here, much like with Adam and Eve and the confrontation they had with the serpent, you've got humanity hanging in the balance with every decision. I mean, we look at, look at what, look at the decision that Eve made and then Adam made and think about the ramifications and the consequences that lasted and took place over all humanity. And then Christ came and here and now here he is to redeem us back to him because of the mistake that was made. And now we have, once again, humanity in the balance. No, this is not you. Gotta, you got to you got to realize something. This is not just don't just casually pass over these scriptures and think, well, he had to be tried. No. At this moment, humanity is hanging in the balance. What had happened? What would have happened had he not answered that way? What would have happened had he actually gave in and went ahead and turned the stones to bread and made a show of power? What would have happened? Would it have all ended the same way? I don't know. But there's a reason for the, for the anointing of the Spirit prior to this, prior to this, the, the, the anointing of the Spirit, there was a reason for the fast. There was a reason for being led. All of these are key events that culminate to the actual confrontation. The confrontation's got a lot of meat. It does. But there's some the the things before that are the things that really excite me and, and really intrigue me, because had it not been done that way, had he decided to cut corners, maybe not do a 40 day fast maybe he was led to go longer and maybe he cut it to 20 i don't know if things would have ended the same way you you got to remember we don't don't read the bible just like a like a fairy tale and you just think well it's just yeah you know it's it's uh, it's some great stories no these are events that took place and that happened and that if we start looking back and connecting these dots, we start seeing a bigger picture. And I see a bigger picture here than just a confrontation with the enemy. I see humanity. I see you and me hanging in the balance. I see the Son of God, my Savior, making a decision to follow the leading of the Spirit and to fast and to put himself in in a, in a broken state so he could prepare himself to make the right decision when the time comes. He answers it boldly, thankfully. He answers it boldly. He says, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Quick quote, says it, puts him in his place, and I celebrate that. But then when I look back at my own life, and I start looking at my own failures and I start looking at the times that the, the spirit tried to lead me and I refused and then wonder why I failed. Think about it. You look at if Jesus is going to be our example, then we've got to look at him and we've got to we've got to look at the way that he laid this thing out for us, even in confrontation. Even in confrontation. All right. So hey, that was that was the first one. So he said, it's written, men shall not live by bread alone, but by everywhere that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to them, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hand shall they bear you up, lest at any time you shall dash your foot against the stone. And that's actually, he's driving that. The enemy is driving that out of Psalms 91. That's where he's coming from. And so, so, what's actually happening here in this in this confrontation? He's, he's using his his own word against him. Jesus had to be sharp at this moment. Are you with me? He had to be sharp. And we just remember, do not do not don't cast away just the fact that he was well, he was the son of God. So I mean he's only speaking the words that he would have naturally said. He was also a man, and a man. That was in a physical body. He never sinned. He never sinned. But if there was a time to do it, this had been the time. This had been it right here because this is a full confrontation. Some of you have have endured much like what he's going through right here. It's a full confrontation. Full confrontation. There are certain things that we have to do when confronted by the enemy that... Showcase uh, a full defense against him. It's it's not. So there are there are times. Let me let me let me say this. There are times that you're going to have to do something more than just a little prayer. You're going to have to do something more than that. And I think sometimes the Spirit leads, and He knocks, and He says, "Okay, this is what I want you to do." And we can get this going somewhere, but we refuse. No, I don't want any more than that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go that direction. And then again, we wonder why we fail. It's not a formula. I'm not trying to create a create something to you tonight that's formulistic. It's not, it's not a formula. But it is following the leading of the Spirit. And Jesus did this exact thing to prepare for this confrontation. So what is the, what is the enemy tempting him with? He's tempting him with obvious power. Show us the display of power throw yourself down from here let's see what you can do show us who you all really are show, show everybody who you who you really uh, who you really are and make a display of what you can do and so he answers quickly and um, he says that uh, Jesus said to him "It's written you shall not tempt the Lord your God now here in verse 8 this is the the final part of this and again the devil took him up and into exceedingly high mountain, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Now think about this. And he and said unto them, all these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. What an interesting offer. And let's explore it for just a minute. Why would he do that? And, and the, the first thought that comes to a lot of people's minds is, is that, well, it's, it's the devil's talking out of his head. He doesn't know what he's talking about because all oh, this is God's. Yes and no, and let me explain. the The dominion of all of this switched hands at Adam. When when Adam fell, it switched hands. So all the dominion that man had, it shifted, and now and then when it shifted. And then the enemy was in control. Obviously, he had us in bondage. That's why Jesus was there. So you got to think about the offer that's being made right here. And he's and he's, he's telling him, he's like shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and he goes, "I will, I will give you all of this if you'll fall down and worship me." And you think, well, who is he to give it? It was his until the until the death and resurrection. It was his. And what he is trying to do is pervert the redemptive process by getting Jesus to do something other than what he was created to do. That's what he's trying to do. And so so you see him you see him telling him, if, if you know, I'll, I'll give you all these kingdoms. I'll give you all these things. Well, and Jesus knew and, and the enemy knew, too. He knew if he made it to the cross, that it would all be his anyway. He, he knew that. He knew if he made it to the cross, if, if, if he'd done his full work, that it was all going to be his anyway. But humanity came with it. So you've got to think about it once again. Let's go back. Think about the process up to this point, because he's often he's made a major offer here. And I would say that of all the things that he said up to this point, this is a major temptation, because we obviously there, there's there's going to be a struggle in the garden. That if there's another possible way to do this, then then let's let's do it another way. But listen, church, it wasn't going to the cross that that bothered Jesus. It wasn't suffering pain. That wasn't it. It was separation from the Father because of bearing the sins of the world. That was the struggle. Remember, there's the Trinity. There's a, there's a triune going on there, and when Jesus bore the sins of the world. God the Father had to turn his head, and this – think about think about what Jesus said. God, Father, why have you forsaken me? Think, think about the way – the thought of that and the way that it made him feel. Here, he gives him a way out. This is his substitute. This is the enemy's way of saying, you know, you could skip all of that if you'll just worship me, and I'll give it all to you. So let's look at his reply. Verse 10, he says, then said Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, or get away from me. I'm sure he said it, probably not nice and calm like I am. Get away from me. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God. See the switch? What was Satan trying to get him to do? He said, you need to worship me. And he said, no, no, that's not the way that it works. It's not the way that this works. He said, The the word says that you will worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. Now I want to stop right there and I want to explain something. How many of you are familiar with James 4, 7? You remember? What's the scripture? Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's a two Part thing. Submit, you gotta submit, and then you resist the devil, and then the byproduct is that he flees. You actually see that acted out here in its entirety. You have you have submission. You have submission. How did he submit? By give, by following the leading of the spirit, by fasting. Allowing himself to be broken. So he puts himself in this state. Remember, not just, it, the fact that he fasted is not just some kind of game. He didn't just, just put together something and throw it together and just say, you know what? I think I'll fast 40 days. No, this is all calculated in order to handle this kind of confrontation, to handle what is about to take place and what's about to happen. So so I want you to, to, to consider that. Uh, And uh, the fact that when it says that the devil left him and it says, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. And and a lot of times uh, I had asked myself, I said, why the angels? Like always, I'm thinking he's the son of God. He should have. No problem. You got past it. You move on to the next one. No. The, The signification of the angels ministering unto him signifies that this was a very serious confrontation this was the real deal all humanity hanging in the balance and he made it i'm so thankful today that he made those right decisions but there was preparation he put himself together to get ready for this kind of confrontation. This is what he has. And so this is, then this is how it happened. So he, he, he follows the leading of the spirit. He submits, he puts himself in this place. And at the end, the byproduct is what the enemy has to flee. He can't stay. He can't, he can't be around that. It has to happen. It's a promise. It's, it's, it's what God has given you and I, it's a promise. It's a law that if we submit ourselves therefore to our of God resist the devil he will flee from us so that's on a personal level now I want to move into the next part of this that's on a personal level but what about what about something different what about something larger what if we were facing something as a nation what if we were facing something as the church that threatened us that provoked us and what do we do with that much like we're dealing with today we are we are um i I spoke the last couple of wednesdays uh talking about uh the 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 role of the church where we need to be uh the the prayer that we need to be having the the offensiveness uh against the principalities and the powers of darkness um I would say that in the last seven days since our last uh, time here, that God has laid a lot of things on my heart. Uh, He's brought some things together. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to issue you a challenge tonight. (laughs) The challenge. Now, this is not just this is not just for Rock Harbor Church. This is not. This is for everybody that's listening. Uh, I hope that you share this. That you'll understand that, that people can get the scope of what we're trying to do, what's really going on. We are obviously engaged in a real battle with a real adversary. There are things going on in the spirit realm that we do not even understand. And I think some of you, I, I mean, some of you that are seasoned and that would consider yourself to, to understand some things in God's word and, and to understand the things of God. Have even spoke with me and said, I never seen nothing like this before. I, I still sense a spirit of confusion in the things that are going on today. So as I was praying about this and uh, had been doing a lot of reading, God had asked me and put it in my heart to challenge you to a fast. That's right. A fast. I'm calling the church to a fast for the month of April. Now before you lose yourselves and think what is he talking about? what what are we doing? let me explain to you something. The Lord put it in my heart that for two days out of every week we need to fast. Two days out of every week we need to fast until the month of April, is over. Now I asked a question. I'm going to give you some direction. So hold on. I asked him, I said, you know, if we're going to do a fast, now I need to, I need to know some things. I need to know what direction are we going with this? What direction? Meaning what kind of fast? And this is what he told me. He said, I want you to fast and call the church to fast From entertainment, from entertainment for two days out of every week for the month of April. Now, let me explain to you what an entertainment fast is. There are a lot of people find a lot of loopholes. And I asked the Lord and I'll explain that here in a minute. But I asked the Lord, I said, entertainment. Why not food? Why not something else? And he brought this to my spirit. I'm sharing this with you and I'm being completely honest. It came to my spirit that entertainment has become almost nearly important to us and is binding to us as food has. Amen. And that is why he is asking us in our time of fasting to fast from entertainment. In this fast, we would not watch television. We'd fast from it. We would not surf Facebook. We would not be on Instagram. We would not be on TikTok. We would not be on any entertaining apps. We're going to lay it down for two days. We're going to take entertainment and we're going to put it to the side. For just for a short amount of time, we're going to put it to the side and we're going to go to the Lord with prayer and supplication. Now here, just a second. I'm about to tell you exactly what I want us to be focused on in our prayer time, because there's got to be a focus. If we're just, if I'm just calling a fast for the for the church today, if I just call a fast and I just say, all right, everybody needs to fast, and we don't really have a direction with it, then it can end up being for nothing. You know, this is Passover week. Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't connected the two. I didn't do it on purpose. I want you to understand that I didn't do it for fun. I was led of the spirit to sit here on Wednesday night and call a fast, Mm -hmm. this type of a fast, not just for Rock Harbor church, but for the church Mm -hmm. and anybody that wants to join us in this. So we fast from entertainment. And And then as far as details are concerned, church, you can pick any two days you want. It don't have to be back to back, just whatever, Whatever days you want, but we're going two days of a fast from entertainment. So what is that going to do? Well, that's going to break some of us. That's going to break some of us because entertainment means a lot to us today. We like to be on our devices. We like to be doing those things. I'm with you. But God is, God has said that this is the thing that I'm asking you to sacrifice. This is what I'm asking you to do. Um, this is what I'm asking you uh, to sacrifice is your entertainment for this short period of time. And it really is short. It's just to the end of the month and it's only twice a week. And I was, and I was, I said, Lord, <clears throat> I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you called us to this fast. I'm thankful. Thankful it was longer, <laughs> but this is, this is what I'm just sharing what's what's on my heart and, and, and know this church. That it's your choice. I didn't say you had to do it. Nobody's going to make you do it. It's it's totally up to you. But I'm challenging the church tonight. I'm challenging the church, the church across the land, the church across the nation. Let's take some time to come back to a place of fasting where we put away the things that we enjoy, but we just put them away for a little time and we go to God with everything we got, everything we got. Okay now let me, uh, let me give you uh, some prayer material and let me explain why we're praying for these particular things. I've got four things that I want you to focus on in your prayer when you're fasting for those of you that have choose to participate for those of you that want to do this I'm asking you uh, to, to be prayerful about these things that I'm about to mention um, and anything else that's on your, heart obviously be prayerful about it but when we are praying i want you to remember that we're that we're broken and then when we bring these things we're coming in the most honest and earnest way so here's number one number one simple repentance the church has got to repent and i know sometimes it catches people off guard they're they're like repent Or the church. I know judgment begins in the house of God. That's why we need to repent. And so I'm going to put away my pride and I'm going to put away uh, my ideas of of what I think the church should be. And the fact that maybe maybe we don't need to repent or the church. Now, we are going to put that thing aside. Number one is we're going to repent while we fast. We're going to repent of what we've done. We're going to repent of our pride and our arrogance. Yes, I understand that God's forgiven me of my sins. Absolutely. But sometimes I got a pride that I carry around with me like a backpack. And that needs to be repented of. Sometimes sometimes I got the pride. Sometimes I got the arrogance. Sometimes I got the greed. Sometimes I've got all these other things. And I need to repent of those things. Amen. And what that's called, church, is that's called the spirit of repentance. That's where we, when we repent, we take it and we push it all to God. and We say, there it is. There it is. That's all my garbage. It's everything I got. It's for you. I'm giving it to you. Um, repentance, number one. Number two, it's a very specific one. And I did not come up with this one on my own. I actually gleaned this from another brother that had put out some prayer requests. And my spirit connected with this because this has been something that I've been praying about. And I want this to be a part of the church's uh, prayer also. Uh we want to pray specifically <clears throat> for our president, <clears throat> and that any counsel that he receives that is not from God would be exposed and torn down. Any counsel that our president receives that is not from God be exposed and torn down. That spiritual warfare, that spiritual warfare, church. That's pay. That's paying uh, mind to the principalities and the powers. There's a lot of things going on in politics today. I hope you, if you hadn't noticed already, and if something seems funny to you, it's right, there is something funny going on. So let's not just pray for our president, but let's put some specifics with it. And let's let's pray that he receives proper counsel because he relies on counselors. Prayer number three, pray for our local government, and local authorities, and pray against the spirit of division. Pray for our local government, local authorities, and pray against the spirit of division. We need this because we're starting to see, um, we're, I'm, I'm seeing the the seeds that are being planted that are soon to give birth to just flat-out rebellion. Seeing this, This is the spirit of division. We cannot allow the spirit of division to separate us from what we know is true and what is right. And what I mean by spirit of division is I'm talking about your own brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm talking about your fellow man, woman, and the people that you care about. And and I have sensed a spirit of division. There's something very small and seed-like starting to divide us. Because of our, our opinions about what we think is going on. I'm entitled to my opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. And that's all fine and great. But at the end of the day, we're children of the Most High God. And we've got to make sure we keep that in perspective. And maybe maybe we need to forgive some people. Maybe we've been offended a little bit much over some of the things that our friends or family have said about the, what they've seen or what they perceive that this is. we got to let that go. And we've gotta we've got to once again come back to the the role of the church, it's got to be unification. If we lose that, we might as well just go ahead and cash in, church. We might as well cash in. Okay. So we're praying for our local government, and our local authorities, right? We're holding them up in prayer. We're praying against the spirit of division. Number four, and this is the final one. I want you to pay close attention to this one. Speak life and not death. Amen. Please speak life and not death. Speak life over our nation and our state. Speak life over our president. Speak life. Speak life over our, our government officials and the people that are our Not only making decisions, but are being influenced by other things. So this is very important that we speak life. My conversations with people, when I talk to people, it's been, we're about, what, I guess a month into this whole thing now. And I still, I still am hearing a lot of fear and that conversations are very negative And unfortunately, what I've also noticed is, is that anybody that wants to speak positive now or even say anything about hope is shot down and ridiculed for saying, for saying we're going to get through this. And I keep hearing people say, no, you just wait. It's going to get worse. And I say, listen, I'm all for the reality of the situation But when all my conversations with people are, is how bad life is and how bad it's going to get, I've lost track. Now I'm just as guilty as the next person. Sometimes I get lost in these conversations and I get sidetracked and I forget what I'm actually here to do. Is to encourage and to uplift. And don't let anybody tell you you're not allowed to encourage somebody or uplift somebody. It's been ridiculous. We're, that's that's our role so my wife is is uh she's going to be posting a lot of stuff uh the scripture base and our the focus of our prayers is we're closing down tonight and I apologize I hope I didn't go too long tonight um but the wrapping this up I'm calling I, I hope you share this and I'm not just saying this just for just so we can do a share fest I'm not doing that I hope you share this with people who are serious about getting close to God and reconnecting and going to God for, the, for our country and for our president and for our government and, and that, are, that are prayer warriors and people that are really wanting to be engaged in this. I know it's not fun to fast. It's not but Jesus taught us that in certain confrontations, certain measures are needed. And I believe, as he has prompted my heart, that fasting is a measure that is needed today. We need this. And so um, I encourage you, be, uh, be encouraged in the Lord. Uh, enjoy, enjoy your fast. Let it reconnect you with your surroundings. Let it reconnect you to people as you do away with entertainment for the two out of seven days, as you put away the, the, uh, the games and the cell phones and we put away the, the cable and we put away all those things. Got nothing against those things, but we got to realize when it's getting in the way of a confrontation that needs more than just a little prayer. I love you guys. Thanks for being on here. Thanks for uh, uh, attending this. And um, God bless you. And I'll, uh, next week we'll uh, we'll kind of see how everybody's doing and, and uh, how it's been working out. God bless you guys and uh, good night. Thank you.